0: very much for that. I told Bernie Nero that I was going to be doing, uh, I was going to be telling a, a story here this morning from uh, Arrow Welding. And in case you don't know, Bernie, go yo, hey, raise your hand there, Bernie. Bernie was my boss. Well, I know Dick was everybody's boss, but he was an uppity-up and I was just a little peon. I, I was a welder. And uh, oftentimes at, at Arrow Welding, when we were working most especially on that tank job, we would bring guys and girls in who who were welders, and they had welded somewhere else, and we were working with them to try to see if we could get them to do it the arrow welding way. Because you know how it is. Somebody is welding somewhere else, and they did it this way, and they did that, and we worked with some different metals, some stainless and different stuff that a lot of people didn't have experience with. And we were really hoping that some people would get it and some people would step up, which oftentimes they did and sometimes they didn't. And when they learned the arrow welding way, we literally invited them to come and work with us. They were on a little bit of a trial uh, 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 stage. And w- many people stepped right up. They stepped up, they picked it up, they learned, they, they worked at it. Some of them would even work at it on their own time and say, let me see if I can work at this and get this down. You see, at the top of your notes, I have that it's crucial. It's crucial. Pull out your sermon notes. I checked this morning on the Bible app, the Brown Bible app. I checked this morning. Uh, it's all right there. If you want to go to your Bible app and take a look at it there. You see, it's crucial for any company that's continuing to go on and to grow to have people step up and do the tasks of people who maybe are stepping out. It's crucial to any company that to the vital of the health. You find some people that will step in and learn, maybe apprentice, whatever it is. And as I look at the New Testament, I look at the New Testament, it seems to me that constantly the Christians were having to step up to do something in their generation that the disciples who are all dead, everybody, just in case you didn't know, they're all dead. They passed it on to the next generation and every generation needs to step up. And that's a challenge for us today. You know, We're going to take a look at this parable in Matthew 22. And in this parable, Jesus goes back and he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. Amazingly, sometimes he gives us paragraphs, sometimes one or two sentences. He's going to tell us about the history of Israel, a little bit about the prophets, the treatment, and the servants. And I'll, as I, I go through it, I'll just give you a little bit of uh, understanding. You probably and maybe know some of this. But number one in your notes, would you just fill this in with me? Invitations have already gone out. As Jesus starts this parable, he lets us know invitations in the past have already gone out. Verse 1, Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. Maybe you know, maybe you don't. The king represents God the Father. The son represents Jesus Christ. And the wedding banquet... Throughout the New Testament, the wedding banquet is what you have when you bring a groom and a bride together. And Jesus is always seen as the groom. And we are compared to church. The Christians who come together are seen as the bride. Not one individual, but as a church and as an assembly. So here's the picture. In the past, with the Israelites, with the the, uh, prophets and the servants who had come, look at verse 3. He, meaning the king, sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatted cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. Here's a picture of God in the past inviting, as you know as you read, the Israelites who were supposed to have been inviting many others to come. They looked forward to the Messiah. We look back to the Messiah. They looked forward by faith. We look back by faith to the Messiah, to the Son. God was trying to prepare and bring them together. And oftentimes the servants who would represent anyone that he sent, prophet or anybody, with a message and an invitation. The call from God from Genesis to the book of Revelation, it's one word, you see it at least twice here, come. God is constantly saying, come. Come to me, you are thirsty. Come to you who are burdened. Come to me, those of you who need bread. Come to me. That's the call constantly, and they refused, it says here. It isn't that those who were invited didn't know about the invitation. They knew about the invitation, yet they were adamant that they weren't coming. Have you ever received an invitation and said, man, I'm not going? I'm not really going? I mean, from Maria's side of the family and my side of the family, my sisters, my brother, from both sides, we have so many people that just... And Maria's Slovenian and the entire Slovenian nation moved to the Cleveland area. I think I've told you this. This is no... I counted one summer, one year, 13 invitations to a wedding. You think I didn't want to hide some of those? Sometimes when I come, it's just like, yeah, maybe she won't ever see it, you know. Somehow or another, Facebook or whatever, she finds out. The servants in this passage of Scripture is anyone who sent with a message. In the past, it was God's messengers, God's prophets. Today, it's you and me. They had... The Spirit, individually, the, the Spirit was given to them to prophesy and to, and to preach. Today, it's clearly given that every Christian has the Spirit of God. And if every Christian has the Spirit of God, then every one of us has the call, which Jesus said, go and be my witnesses. In the book of Acts, go to Jerusalem, Judea, to the uttermost parts of the, of the world, to the earth. That's our call. And that's actually where Jesus takes and he spreads this on every time these servants were asked. They went back out. You never hear one complaint now and even in the verses to come. See yourself as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ with a message to invite. That is what we are. The king stepped up. He prepared everything. The servants stepped up and did what they were told. The question is, will we step up? That's the question for us today. Number two, invitations were ignored and repulsed. I don't know if you ever sent an invitation out and it hurt you. Somebody that you thought would come, should have come. You ever sent an invitation out, you got a little mad, it might have been family, it might have been whatever it was, verse 5. But they paid no attention and went off. One to his field, another to his business. Always something to do. Always something there rather than church. Always something in front of our face rather than than Jesus. 24-7, seven days a week. Always be something, be careful. You don't think somehow or another what you do is more important than Christ and coming to church. Number Verse 6, the rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Passage of Scripture starts out by saying they paid no attention. It basically says they went off, you know, when you're ready to celebrate and you're ready to put on a banquet, when you put all the effort in and you spent the money, you know, God the Father said, I have spent my money. I'm here. I'm, I'm sacrificing the, the cattle and the oxen. I'm getting ready. This is not a potluck, everybody. You don't have to bring anything. God is preparing this. You, just, you just accept the invitation, come. And that's the thing that we tell our family and our friends we're providing the ice cream. Come. You talk about being able to invite creatively. Just tell them, my church is crazy. They're having ice cream. Ice cream Sundays. You like the crunch coat? Yeah, we're going to have some of that. You like the hot fudge? Yeah. Strawberry? Yeah. Some ignored and some were repulsed. And the repulsed, the word there is seized. It literally means to lay hands on in order to get power over. I guess out of the two groups of people that responded to the servants, and both of them were Israelites. I get the ones who kind of just ignored it and went their way. But the ones who felt that they had to seize them, harm them, and even murder them, I wonder, why is that? And I think to myself, and you probably know too, You know, there's a lot of time that religious people who are without Christ think that they're the ones that are in rule and reign of everything. You go back in history, you go over to the third world country, I, I invite every one of you, you should have coming into your home Voice of the Martyr magazine to let you know what it is. If they're going to invite, they get this. They get the fact that their life is online. In Muslim countries, if they invite, they get it. They they know what might possibly happen. It might cost them their lives. They get it. But they're still doing it. And what are we afraid of in America? A little bit of somebody mocking us, whatever it is. (laughs) These religious people who felt that they could seize and harm. I'm reminded of John 16, too, where Jesus tells the disciple, the time is coming when anyone who kills you I think they're making an offering to God. I see that a lot with religious people who think that it's their job, who are not Christians, who think it's their job, these leaders, to make sure that they, they put people in their place. And I get it from that perspective. I remember my very first child having a dedication, understanding it was about dedication and not necessarily about baptism. I remember invitations going out, and I remember one invitation we got back from one family. You know, we had a dedication for our son. We're going to have invited people to church, invited them back to our home. I don't remember anything else about that day. I really don't. I just remember one family's response. We can't come because we're going bowling. And they didn't bowl for a living. People make a decision. And they come for some, and they decide not to come and not accept the invitations by repulse or whatever it might be. And you just think to yourself, I guess bowling's more important. When you go out to invite someone, some are going to ignore you. But you will have been a good servant. Some of you today, you've invited invited. Can I say to you, don't quit Don't give up. Don't quit. Some of you, you probably won't get killed, but some of you may get repulsed or mocked or whatever it might be. The Scripture is very clear. Servants have to go out and do their job, and that's kind of what they expected, and we need to expect it too. Number three, invitations had already gone out, most especially to the Israelites. Some were ignored. Some were repulsed. Number three, uh, invitations were offered to the nasty and the nice. Now, if you have a grad party for your child, if you have a birthday party, if you have a shower, a wedding, whatever it might be, you probably have people on your list that are nasty and nice. And the nasty people in the family, you're really hoping and praying they're busy. Man, I hope they're busy and they can't make it. Mm. But Jesus says to you and to me, he calls to us to make sure and understand. You understand the Jews wouldn't come. Look at verse 8. Then he, meaning the king, said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited didn't deserve to come. Why wouldn't they be deserved? Because they wouldn't respond. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out to the street corners and gathered all the people they could find. The bad as well as the good And the wedding hall was filled with guests. Before the invitations were exclusive, it says, to those who had been invited and so, just so you know, if you read before this, at the end of the chapter, before this and after this, they were constantly knowing, the Israelite leaders, that this was a, prof, a, a parable about them. And seeing that they knew it was about them, they wanted to kill Jesus. They laid plans on how to get a hold of Him, and eventually they did. The passage of Scripture says, anyone you find out in the street corners, the good and the bad, the nasty and the nice, that basically means to you and to me, that this has to do with your sphere of influence whoever your sphere of influence is whoever mine this has to do with your sphere of influence where you are where your neighborhood is where you work bribe them do whatever it takes Paul wasn't afraid to try to uh, do whatever it took to get them to come to know Christ do something creative I hope we can talk about that you know All, the word all describes the bad as well as the good. And for me, as you take a look at this, you know, historically it now shifts from those who had invited the Israelites. Now it's shifted to the time of the Gentiles. And this time is the time of the Gentiles until end times when the Jews will be called back and pulled back to God, their Father, and to their Messiah. They will see it. My mom and dad, uh, they didn't have a lot of money growing up. (laughs) They had five kids with a sixth one on the way. But they did have a friend who had a cabin cruiser, a big cabin cruiser on Lake Erie, had a, a, in the yacht club over in Neff. Anybody remember Neff Road, the yacht club over there? And uh, my mom and my dad often would go to the yacht club not because they owned a boat, not because they had a cabin cruiser. They went because they were invited by people who did have a cabin cruiser. They got inside the yacht club. They had never got in if they weren't invited. And there are some people that you and I know who will never enter heaven unless we invite them. We're members of the yacht club. There's somebody that will never get in unless you care enough about them. See them, as we're about to see. See them without Christ. They need the nasty and the nice, both get an invitation. At some point, this story turns from about the Israelites. To about you and me. It's now not about the prophets of Old Testament. It's now about the children of God who now have the power of the Spirit with them and the message to go. Someone we know stepped up and invited us. For me, Bernie, that started to be Donna. And Donna's a mom and family started to invite and started to talk to us. Someone stepped up and invited us. And I was a nasty sinner. There's no doubt about it. And look at us now. That includes you. Are we afraid to invite? Number four, invitations came with one requirement. This story seems to be going on pretty good, but Jesus kind of just throws this monkey wrench in there. You know, you ever get an invitation that tells you what to wear? Yeah, you know, I tell you, you know, my wife goes over and she she chooses what we're going to eat—the chicken or the steak or whatever it is—and I look at what do I got to wear to this thing? I went online and looked at this. So if you if you get an invitation that says black tie. It means tuxedo and formal gown. I ain't going. <laughs> formal, if it says formal, it's a suit and tie and dresses. You know, cocktail attire, suits and party dresses, beach or garden. I'll, that's my thing. You know, I could wear my shorts or whatever, you know, and get ready. But when an invitation comes, lots of times you try to figure out am I supposed, what am I supposed to wear? And that's a great question, as Jesus tells the rest of this parable, verse 11. But when the king came in to see the guests, remember, the banquet hall was full. He noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. And the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Now, if you're reading this parable... You may just think to yourself, you know, this really isn't fair. I mean, this this, this isn't fair. I mean, that doesn't seem very nice. But don't read this parable about what you think is right or fair. Read this parable about what Jesus intends to communicate. All of the plight of this one man is brought to our attention. This isn't a matter about what is fair and what we think is fair. This is how to get into his kingdom. Jesus takes this one guy and throws him out and uh, it is intended for me to say wow if I don't know what it means to have those wedding clothes on I better figure out what it is that's the intention of why it ends this way for you and for me the one man who wasn't allowed in who was thrown out represents everybody we invite that will not come be careful be careful be careful not to think, you know, well, I got some friends, they don't, they're really not Christians, but if they're nice people, God will surely give them a pass. This parable ends by Jesus saying, man, that's rough treatment. But all you got to do is make sure you have the right clothes on. I was talking to a guy uh, just the other day talking with a couple of people and they, they just kind of started to get concerned as they had given their life fully to the Lord. As the Lord was speaking to them, as they were growing, as they knew that they were Christians, they started to wonder, are, are, are my, is my family not wearing the right clothing? Those weren't their words, but they were just like, is my family, are they Christian or are they playing that, just that religious thing? They just don't seem to have that passion. They just don't seem to know, know it's about Jesus. They make up some of their own rules along the way. And as you take a look at this, the question is, why did everybody else know that they needed to wear the right wedding clothes? Every other person knew, except one guy. Which makes you and I stop and think, what do the clothes represent? Through the Old and the New Testament, most especially I would say New Testament, it represents the righteousness of God that is given to us by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We sang about it this morning. It's Evan taking off his old clothes in the old Evan and putting on new clothes. The righteousness of Jesus Christ, the righteousness of God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And 14 says as soon as we've invited someone to DQ Sunday, to VIP Sunday, as soon as we've invited somebody, they've been given an opportunity to be chosen. Because as soon as you respond, God says, You're chosen. Many are invited, but few respond. And Jesus told us there's one requirement. He told us He's the one requirement. He's the one that provides the right clothing. He's the one that cleans us up. His blood is what does it. And He's the one, not me, who said it's only Him. One requirement, only Him. Glad I didn't say it, but He said it. And the fate of all the people we know who will be invited and will not come as the same as this one single man. Please understand that Jesus ends this parable by making it very, very clear. Limited by one Savior. I, the parables that Jesus tell, I just think, are extremely creative. I have in your notes creative invitations. He's he's a master at it. Of course he's a master at it. He can use one or two sentences, you know, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Or he can take and use paragraphs. And so I just thought, since we're created in his image, couldn't we challenge ourselves in the next couple weeks to invite creatively? And, you know, we try to do everything we can. VIP, DQ Sunday, yeah, we're trying to do everything we can to be creative. So you do something to be creative. I, I know some of you know John and Susan Hammercheck. They came because Dwayne Frager was taking them to breakfast on Sunday mornings. Finally, he says, "I'm going to church. Why don't you come with me?" You know, they start talking about it a little bit breakfast. What could it cost you to lead somebody to Jesus Christ? Another story I confirmed this morning. Last night, I just want to make sure uh, a guy that I've known, a guy who helped me in Evangelistic Explosion, a guy who's still walking with Jesus today, got in a car accident with Christians. He was not a Christian. And they said to him, you know what? I think, I'm pretty sure the timeline was, you don't have to pay or do anything as long as you agree to come to church for one month every Sunday. And he did. And he got saved. And he's serving Jesus today. What creative way could you get somebody? I have a guy this morning, Pete Richmond, he's having an 80th birthday party. I basically Pete, why don't you tell everybody for your birthday party, no gift, the only thing I want you to do is, I want you to come have some ice cream with me at church. The only gift I want, what does an 80-year-old need? Maybe a rocker or something, a wheelchair. The only thing I what could you do? I don't know, I'm not as creative as you, but you can find something creative, some creative way. Guild somebody into it, it's all right. And for the next two weeks, We'll shorten the sermon a little bit. We'll shorten a couple different things. And we'll make sure that there's plenty of time for you to fellowship and enjoy some ice cream. And then VIP, we're having some uh, some food out here. Uh, we're going to need some help with some of the other food. They're uh, doing uh, spaghetti and pasta and sausage and all kinds of other different things. Because we are the king's servants today, we hear him saying, verse 9 to you and to me, Evan, go to the street corners, invite to the banquet anyone you find, And the caveat is the bad as well as the good. The asterisk in your notes, central point. Hopefully I can say to you is what we're seeing. The baton has been passed on to you and to me. You know, from Christian generation to Christian generation, people have had to step up and do the inviting. If you're waiting for them to send prophets along, it ain't going to happen. You have the Holy Spirit. You have been commissioned to be a witness. You have been called to be a servant to, a, to invite, no matter how you're treated. No matter how you are treated. If I could have the, uh, the worship team come and wanted to close this morning with the opportunity for you and for me to bring somebody that we're praying about to the altar today. You know, uh, we're going to do come to the altar. I just, I just need uh, Dan and, and Dave. And maybe you have nobody on your mind. You know, I've been praying about this a couple weeks. It's amazing the doors have been opened to me. If all the people come so far that have been told they're going to come or because they found this, it's going to be like three people that I know. We got the girl from Madison, Dairy Queen, coming. We told her we needed her to help us serve. We do. It's not a lie. We need her. We need her. Oh, I'm coming. She's coming. The word is persistent. The king was persistent, wasn't he? The king was persistent. He didn't quit. The servants were persistent. They didn't quit. We are the servants. Don't quit. Don't quit inviting. As you guys begin, uh, seem to spend a lot of time at the water, in case you guys all know that, and you know that by now, and i was there the other day and this mom pulled up in her car she parked back a little bit and her 15 year old son something like that i'm not sure 15 14 15 year old kid he gets out and he's got a bag of bread and what i'm talking about there's a lot of seagulls that hang out and i'm thinking this is going to be fun you ever you ever pull bread out and see birds are one thing seagulls man they're nasty you pull out a, a thing of bread and this 15-year-old, he just was having this, just a good old time. He pulled it out. The gulls are screeching all on. They're flying at him. They're taking it out of his hand. I kind of thought Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds was going to happen all over again. I thought, man, this going—that cool. that, that young man, till the bread was gone, didn't care what they were screeching. Didn't, I was really afraid he was going to get pooped on. You, you see, you got about 100, there was about 100 seagulls flying over his head. I just said, don't look up and say. (laughs) He just kept giving it out, giving it out until he was all gone. Inviting seagulls to have some bread. Man, we have a God who said, "I'm, I'm the bread of life. All he needs is somebody standing there inviting it to a bunch of screeching people. Until the bag runs out. Until your heart stops beating. Until you wear out. As they play this song today, maybe you have nobody on your mind and you need somebody. You come and ask the Lord Jesus. The altar is such a cool place. God comes to the altar. His people come. It's a wonderful place to meet. You got somebody that you want to come? You got somebody you're thinking about? Or just praying for somebody this morning? Could you dim those lights for me so we could just have a time of concentration? Father, as we open this altar and we come today, We bring the people that you have laid on our hearts or we bring ourselves because we have no one on our heart that you would speak to us loud and clear today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You come as the Holy Spirit leads and when this is full, you're welcome to know that the first row there is empty. Also, you're welcome to kneel there. Jesus has given his life for somebody you know. He's given His life for somebody you know. The question is, do we have vision to see it? Who invited you? And and you came because you were invited. You found Christ. This is why we exist. Spirit of God speaking to you. Come to the altar this morning and you bring somebody If you have nobody in your heart and mind, ask the Lord. He'll lay some, he'll put them right in your path. That's my hope, my prayer today, Jesus. We're here today, Jesus, wanting to fill this building up for the next two weeks because we know how precious a lost soul is to you. So much so that one of the Parables you told, was about somebody who had a hundred sheep and one wandered away. It was so important you left the 99 that were part of the yacht club to go after the one who was not. We're here, your servants, Lord Jesus. In the next two weeks, we offer up to you, Lord. May your spirit fill this place so that people know that you are God and that you love them It's so very important, so important that you've given the greatest sacrifice, your Son. Lord Jesus, it's by your Spirit, it's by your power that anybody is converted, it's not in and of us. And today, if there's somebody here today, Jesus, maybe they just have never thought, uh, man, I, I need to make sure I got the white, bright clothes on, the righteousness of God may They seek and find and find somebody here today. Make myself available. Anybody has any type of questions in regards to what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, I pray in your name. Amen.